Today's scripture reading comes from the last half of the fifth chapter of Mark. Last week, we read a series of parables from Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, of the growing seed, of the mustard seed, and the parable of the lampstand, where we are asked to put our light out where others can see it. Between then and now, Jesus heals an outcast man possessed by demons, living in a graveyard in Gerasim. Today's scripture continues Jesus' ministry of reaching out to the outcast and healing those who are seen as unclean by society. Today's reading is about healing, faith, and making society whole. Let us listen for the word of God. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came and, when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians, had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about 
She was 12 years of age. And this, at this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Here ends today's reading. Thanks be to God. So Mark weaves these two stories together very carefully and deliberately until he is inviting us to make a comparison. The most obvious connection between these stories is that they are about faith and healing. Both Jairus and uh, the nameless woman are both in need of help and believe that Jesus is the one that can help them. But lots of Mark's stories are about healing and faith. What makes these two stories a pair as opposed to simply two separate stories about the good deeds of Christ is that these, these two stories take on the role of power and privilege in God's kingdom. It shows two very different people with two very different stations in life. And it shows Jesus meeting the basic human need that both of them have, that everybody has, regardless of their station, the need for healing and wholeness. Jairus is a respected man in his community. He's the leader of his synagogue, and he has a good reputation. Notice that he actually gets a name, unlike the woman in today's passage. Jesus is being followed by a large crowd, which is pretty much the norm for him these days. And despite Jesus' popularity, Jairus is important enough that he can walk right up to Jesus and ask for help and beg him to heal his daughter. Now contrast that with the woman in today's passage. She's literally lost in the crowd and has to sneak around and break the rules in order to get next to Jesus. Where Jairus was a powerful man, she is an outcast woman. She doesn't get a name in any of the Gospels, and so Bible scholars usually refer to her as the bleeding woman. Not only is this bleeding a serious medical condition, but in Jewish culture it was even more serious social issue. She was regarded as ceremonially unclean, and she was treated awfully. In fact, she would be considered a menstruating woman under Jewish law and ritually avoided by men and women alike. Here's what the book of Leviticus says about it. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. Anything on which the woman lies or sits during that time will be unclean. If any of you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch any object she has sat on, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and will be unclean until evening. When the woman's bleeding stops, she must count off seven days. Then she will be ceremonially clean. That's Leviticus. So let's put aside for a second how sexist and ignorant these rules are. 
They belong in another time, and even then they were wrong. But let's put aside the indignation, just for now, and instead look at the humanity of this poor woman suffering under these rules. For 12 years, 12 years without a lover, 12 years without the intentional touch of another human being, 12 years of isolation and imprisonment. She has suffered immensely, and most of that suffering is man-made by our rules and society. Here's a woman who is bleeding, in need of compassion and help, and society treats her with such disgust that if someone touches her, they change their clothes and take a bath. But this is what makes what she does in today's passage so much more audacious and magical. Here's Jesus Christ, God's presence on earth, the cleanest, most holy person she could approach. She knows she's not supposed to go near any man, let alone a holy man. She also knows that he can heal her. Remember that the law holds anything she touches remains unclean. But she touches his cloak anyway because she has faith that he will heal her. Now, I must admit that even though I have a master's degree in theology, I cannot tell you the significance of the power leaving Jesus involuntarily. People with a high Christology, meaning they put a lot of faith in the divinity of Jesus, will say that Jesus did know that he was healing her, and he knew who touched him, but wanted to let her come forward and prove her faith. Me, I just think that God works in mysterious ways, and this is one of the unusual ways in the gospel that, Jesus, that God and Jesus healed somebody who really needed it. And at first, Jesus seems a little angry and annoyed. In a way, someone took something from him, and he wants to know who it is. Yet when the woman comes forward, she is met with compassion and praise. He doesn't take away the gift that he gave her, and he certainly doesn't go change his clothes and take a shower. That's because Jesus does not see an unclean woman. He sees her for who she really is, a child of God, worthy of dignity and grace. He calls her daughter. He praises her faith, and he sends her forth with blessings of peace. That's our Savior. That's Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, in my sermon on the wineskins, I preached that Jesus is always putting human needs above ritual needs. That he is putting compassion before observance. He's not worried about the contact he had with that woman and whether he is clean or unclean in the sight of God. He's interested in showing love and compassion to a person in need. And after he healed her, we are then given some bad news. We are told that the little girl that he was going to heal is now dead. And for a moment, we are left to ponder this dark question. Is there only so much Jesus to go around? 
Was the bleeding woman's gain that little girl's loss? This is how the world all too often works. Resources are limited. And there's only so much time in a day. If someone takes power and time away from Jesus, then someone else is left to suffer. But what we know, what we are told by this story, is that the kingdom of God is unbound by the limits of this world and transcends our worldly scarcity with heavenly abundance. There is no limit on God's power. The little girl is raised and saved even after the point of death. And like Jesus tells Jairus, do not fear, only believe. Don't give up hope. God can make things right. And it is telling that it is the man who is used to good fortune and getting the things that he needs that is the one in the story that needs to be reminded to keep the faith during hard times while the bleeding woman who has suffered constantly for 12 years is merely praised for the power of her enduring faith. Today, it is 2,000 years later, and thank God we do not treat women the way that this poor bleeding woman was treated. But that does not mean we don't still have a problem with sexism and privilege. There are lots of different kinds of privilege in society, and usually it is invisible to those who have it. There's the privilege of being a native English speaker here in America. There's the privilege that attractive people get that unattractive people don't. With the Black Lives Matter movement getting attention nationwide, racial privilege has been quite the hot topic lately. A lot of people don't think that Privilege is a big issue. But as I said, privilege is often invisible to those who have it. Trust me, listen to and speak with the people who are struggling and suffering, and you'll learn that while we don't change our clothes and take a shower after touching the wrong person, we do still have a lot of work to do before we truly see all people as God's children brothers and sisters, worthy of grace and dignity. Now, Jesus did such a good job preaching compassion 2,000 years ago that few people today would openly argue that we should exclude or mistreat entire groups of people. But when the rubber meets the road, when it comes down to it, when it comes to affordable housing in our neighborhoods, foreign refugees arriving on our shores, changing the way that we police bad neighborhoods, suddenly compassion seems like a dangerous and bad idea. When it comes up to giving up our privilege in order to include somebody else, it can seem dangerous. And in a selfish, materialistic world, that is absolutely true. Giving privilege to one person takes away privilege from somebody else. It's all a zero-sum game. One person's gain is another person's loss. But fortunately, we don't have to resign ourselves to that kind of world. Jesus has shown us a better way. There is room in God's kingdom for everyone. And we need to have the faith 
and the courage to truly believe that. The little girl in today's passage didn't die because Jesus helped the bleeding woman. In God's kingdom, the privileged aren't punished so that the marginalized can be liberated. This isn't a zero-sum game. God can liberate the poor. God can liberate the oppressed, the outcast, the ignored. God can stop the bleeding and heal the wounds of those who have suffered for far too long. And it won't take anything away from anyone else. We shouldn't be afraid. We must keep the faith. We must believe. We've got to believe that there is enough Jesus to go around for everyone and that there is always room in the kingdom of God. Thanks be to God and amen.